welcome back to the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast, a Titans podcast where we're all about the community, we're all about our team and uplifting each other and coming along that journey together. Joined by my regular co-host Blaze from BKR Sport. Blaze, how are you going, man? Pretty good, man. I love how you introed it with the the year. It was just such an Australian way to intro a podcast, man. Like, <laughs> truly, I love. It was just like such an Australian year. I don't know what it was, but it was very funny. Uh, but yeah, no, going all right, man. You know, tired. Uh, you know, waiting for the the season to come to a close at this point. Obviously, being at you know twenty, however many games we've had so far, been at them all, man. So you know, we're going to wait trip to the Storm this week in Melbourne, which is going to be great, and a nice members event there, it should be great, uh, and then one home game left uh, to, to finish off the season, so yeah, we're starting to, to wind it on down now, but you know, going alright man, just hoping for uh, hoping to see a little bit of a spark out of these last two games. Yeah, I'd, I'd honestly love if we could upset the Storm this week, and then the Bulldogs finish our season on a real high note I remember last year, we got towards the end of the year, and there wasn't the, the good moments last year were, were pretty thin, I think that's probably fair to say uh, but the Warriors win over in New Zealand, where Tanner stepped up and kicked that field yeah, that, that was, was bloody awesome. I hope we can finish uh, the season in those sort of circumstances as well. Let's jump into our Titans news uh, segment. Kicking us off today, everyone will be very pleased with this. Now, sounds weird to say you're pleased about an injury, but for Jaden Campbell, it is not the ACL, which is the it's the worst injury you can get as a professional athlete. It's a dislocated patella, so he won't play again this year. And Philip Sami scans have returned a list Frank injury for him, which is in the foot. Again, with two weeks, he won't play. Uh, where it gets interesting for Phil Blaze, I want to get your thoughts on this. We've got the uh, World Cup sort of uh, Pacific tournament, rather, coming up at the end here. Phil Sami uh, said he'll be back full training by December, so he will miss that. Was he in your Toa Samoa side, or did you think he should have been in the extended squad at least? I think definitely he deserves a spot, man. He deserves a spot with this season for sure. You know, we've uh, been speaking about the potential that he could be looking at an origin spot, you know, returning to the origin arena. Obviously, he has been there before. Didn't exactly have the greatest origin debut, but the fact of the matter is, I think we won that game still. Um, but, you know, this year he's really turned it back on again. In the last couple of years, he's been fine. He's been doing his thing, but then he's just exploded. So, yeah, look, I think that Torsan Moore could absolutely, you know, look into him. And I think that, you know, if he's, he's fit and ready to go, I d- definitely believe he deserves at least a spot on the team somewhere um that is for sure but yeah look obviously uh phil's been great this year i've really enjoyed watching him get back into what we know he can do best and that's the main thing so uh yeah look look i think it sucks to see phil sammy go down late but the fact of the matter is at least it's come at a time where we don't have finals inbound you know we don't have do or die games inbound it's just get some rest. Desi Hazel's coming. You better be ready, son. Mate, I absolutely love it. Let's recap Phil's season. 21 games, 11 tries, 114 tackle breaks, and was averaging 171 metres. Uh, he was in my Toa Samoa squad because uh, Taylor May, who was there last year, unavailable with the ACL. I think Phil slots straight in and is an even better replacement on recent form. I want to jump into this one. This one's maybe not maybe controversial is not the right word, but it is interesting nonetheless. So we all had news uh, last week. Tino's uh, for Asumala's contract is a 10-year deal. And this hasn't been officially confirmed by the club, but there are reports via News Corp that only the first three years of that deal are actually locked in. And then every year after that, it's a it's a, a player option to Tino. So Tino actually decides, me personally, I'm never a fan of these contracts because if the player does drop in form, they're not going to leave. Not that I have concerns mm. Tino will. 
but do you have any concerns over the contract at all? Or you think you just we just had to do whatever we had to do? I kind of believe we we had to do whatever we had to do. I think it was a bit of a test situation because I do believe that ultimately at the end of the day, Tina Faso Malawi, he loves his club. He wants his club to succeed. He wants his community to succeed. He has told me this personally many, many occasions. He has told me how much he wants to, he's just a bloke who wants the Gold Coast to be successful and the community to be successful. So I do genuinely believe, before I say what I'm about to say, that he wants to be here. However, at the end of the day, players also still do want to win and they do still want to win premierships and they do still want to be successful. So Tino can be, you know, this this long-term club player that we really can build around and can really bring us into the future. However, after three years, we've just got Desi Hasler in. Three years is a, is a good enough time to really get a read about what's going to happen into the future and really get a read about if we are moving in the right direction. If we're not moving in the right direction under Desi, Three years is a time frame where I think, you know, Tino might be like, well, you know what? I, I do believe I want I want more. You know, I do believe I want more. And I don't want that. I don't like that. And I don't want him to leave. Um, but with that being said, again, you want to be successful. So I, I do feel like this is something that does benefit him rather than the club per se. Because as you said, if you do go down injured or you do fall off in form, you still have the player option, so guess what? You're going to take up that option and still get paid out. Uh, so I think it's yeah, it's a bit of a, a risky one here from the club, but I do think that it was at a point where they need to say w- they need to do whatever they could to keep him. And I think it also kind of puts the pressure back on the team. Like Tino does what Tino does week in week out for us, right? And so if we get to the, end of the three years and the rest of our club um, and our culture hasn't come along on that journey with Desentino in charge, then I think he probably would be within his rights there to say, hey, kind of like Jack Whiten is with the Raiders right now, I've kind of given what I can give. Um, it, it probably is time for me to look at, you know, a different option for my career. So great challenge for everyone at our club. Uh, but I am confident Desi comes in, sets that culture up. Tino remains no, our Des- Desi special is in bound. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a question. I'm not thinking it. I know it. Desi special fried rice is coming. Thanks for coming. Mate, I love it. And then by that stage, Tino goes, hey, why would I leave? I want a great contract. I've got the option, but I don't care. This is my club, my community. I think that's what we'll see happen there. Let's jump into it. I was going to make a joke and say something about Canberra, <laughs> man. But I remember, I remember one, obviously you're there. And also, <laughs> also two, I received a, a message from one of our listeners the other day who is a Canberra Raiders fan. And he's in Canberra. He's like, it was an all joke. He wasn't serious or anything like that. But he did say, man, you love to rip into Canberra and insult Canberra. You know, can we, can we chill out on the old Canberra insult? And I said, no way. I said, no damn well way. So the joke I was going to make is it was more relating to Dave I guess but uh, I was just going to make a joke about how why would you want to go to Canberra anyway um, you know and, and also it doesn't look like they're going into a, a great direction either to be fair but um, to, to Mr. Jacko who messaged me on Instagram the Canberra slander will continue the Canberra <laughs> slander will continue despite Clark you being there and of course uh, if you know you know and I'm pretty sure only you would know what I'm about to say here a very particular uh, podcast would be very upset with what you just said. <laughs> expect expect a nasty tweet tweet about you how am I going to survive, mate? I've never had anyone say anything <laughs> nasty about me in my life. How am I going to survive? <laughs> oh, mate, I'll tell you what. Let's jump into our NRLW review. Unfortunately, we did lose to the Roosters, 32-8, which for me was a really tough loss to take. It was a bitter pill to swallow because um, not only that it was back-to-back losses with the Knights one last week, I think it was the manner in which we lost here, right? Um, I think it's fair enough to say we've lost now back-to-back to the two best sides in the competition. I don't think that's unfair. 
but I think it is clear that we're not playing football at a high enough standard to win the Premiership currently. And we've only got four games left to improve. So I am starting to get a few concerns there. Uh, but I'm going to hold, maintain that belief and hold it. But I want to go over to you. How did you see the game against the Roosters? This was a rough one, man. Obviously, I was there. You know, I was doing my best to create an atmosphere. We were loud. It's when there's not many people in the stadium, you can make it even louder because it does echo individually. And with the, the core group of people that we had around us in the, the front line, the official sports club of the Gold Coast Titans, you know, we did make it as loud as possible. But unfortunately, that wasn't enough for, for our Titans women to get over the line at the end. You know, we were comprehensively beaten. And there is no excuses here. We just simply were beaten by the better team. I thought in the first half, we weren't getting a lot of calls go our way. But with that being said, we just simply weren't good enough to overturn, uh, you know, the momentum of a Roosters team that has just an absolutely fantastic team. You know, they have Millie Boyle. Like, she is one of the best players, if not the best player in the game. Olivia Koenig is a great back rower. Their halves in Taryn Aiken and Jocelyn Keller absolutely put on a clinic. They put on a clinic against our team there. Uh, and I thought that their game plan was really good to be able to lock down Ivanya Politi. I thought they did really well to lock down one of our star talents there. And as well, I will say, you know, I uh, Stephanie Hancock is incredible and she always gets over the line. But this game, the Roosters were able to hold her up like four times. It was incredible. Like it was honestly, it was very quality from the Roosters in defense and very quality from the Roosters in attack. I know we went over the line a couple of times, but as I said last week, the problem with the Titans women's team this year is that the, is the fact that we can't score points. And that's coming from the fact that we're still missing Talia Fuimono. Talia Fuimono is someone that is going to bring leadership and direction. And I do believe, with all due respect, our halves, who are both like 18 years old, are not at the level yet to be challenging for a premiership. I don't believe they're there yet. Could they be? Absolutely. But right now, we are missing that leadership. We are missing that direction. We are missing that experience in a very key area of the halves. And especially, the halves are the ones that really dictate the points. That's where your points ultimately come from because your halves are doing the kicking. They're doing the uh, the decision-making on where the ball's going. They meant to know what they're doing. So uh, with all due respect, I do believe that Talia Fuimono is a big loss here for this team. And I just can't wait to see it come back. And I don't believe she's playing this week either. Um, you'll obviously read the team list in a second. I haven't seen it yet. But, you know, that's that's something that we really do need to see is Talia Fuimono. Uh, but you go on the ladder here, man. And we actually benefited from a couple of results going our way. We are still in the finals right now. It's a top four out of ten uh, for the finals. For people who didn't know, we are bang in fourth. And the reason why I'm bringing up the ladder right now is because... Because we don't score enough points, which is why our points differential is minus 21. You look everywhere around you, man. Roosters plus 84. Knights plus 53. Raiders plus 9. Tigers who are below us plus 24. Broncos who are below us plus 17. Sharks who are below us plus 6. And then you even go to the Dragons in 8th who are below us with minus 17, which is 4 points better than what we have. And then you go to the Cowboys and the Eels and you don't even want to think about that. But... And that's awful for the Eels. Well, um, well, you know, considering they were in the grand final last year. Actually, both teams from the grand final, they're both not going to be making the finals this year. Um, but it just it is really key. And I'll give you another stat here. Another stat that's going to scare you even more. We've scored 61 points this season. The Roosters have scored 146. The Knights, 134. The Raiders, 113. The Tigers, 96. The Broncos, 116. Sharks, 88. Dragons, 92. And even the second-last Cowboys, who is their first year in the comp, 77. Right? The only team that we have more points scored for 
is yields, and it's only by three points. They've scored 58, we've scored 61. So our issue this year is coming from our attack. It's not necessarily coming from our defense because our defense is much better than the Raiders and it's very equal with the Knights and also pretty equal with the Roosters. So, yeah, look, I think that the issue that we are finding is not through our defense, it is through our attack. And it just, it really came into a fruition against the Roosters. And it's worth noting, whilst we might have scored three more points than the Eels, they actually haven't won a game this year. So it's very, very bad to even be in the conversation with them um, in terms of how many points we're putting over. Uh, for me, on this game in particular, I was really, really shocked at our start. If people remember from the preview pod, I kind of sat here and said, the start to this game looms as the most important period. And we conceded a try after one minute. So I straight away had concerns. Um, you guys know I was sitting here saying that they could score too many points and leave us in a leave us in a position where we can't come back and get the win late. And when they score in the first minute, it's not looking good at all. Uh, granted, I was pleased with our comeback try through uh, Williams Guthrie. That was only two minutes later, so I thought the fight there was really really good. But we then give up five unanswered tries, and it, it just left it in a position where it didn't matter what sort of comeback we had, like we had in the first three weeks. We're not in a position to come back and we're not even in a position to compete um, at that point. So any loss is disappointing for me anytime it's the Titans, but even more disappointing when I literally called it to a T on the preview pod and saw it coming this way. Um, we knew what we had to do to beat the Roosters and we just weren't good enough. There's still four weeks to work on it, so I'm not going to write our season off just yet. Um, but it was a really, really bitter pill to swallow. To take away a positive, though, always like to finish on a silver lining where possible. We did complete at 80%, which is a clear improvement from last week. And we've kind of spoken about that every week. It's 80% or higher, we're in with a chance. Anything lower, these teams, with our poor attacking record, these teams can just blow us off the park. Let's jump into our NRLW 3-2-1s from the round. I'll go over to you first. Who got your three points in this game? This one is absolutely going to go to Shannon Marto. 203 most run meters from the entirety of the game. And I'll tell you right now, you look at the top performing players in this game on this basis. Most tackles, Georgia Hale. She had more than the most tackles for the Roosters. Shannon Marto, most run meters. She had 40 more than the most for the Roosters. Uh, line breaks was equal with Lauren Brown and Tessie Pudley. Uh, and then Shannon Marto as well with fantasy points. So, you know... And then you go, and like you were saying, in regards to the um, the completion rate, we had an 80% of their 73%. So, you know, stats-wise, we actually should have done a lot better than what we did. But again, it comes down to what I was saying before. But it has to go to Shadamato, man. Shadamato was incredible in this game. You know, 203 run meters, man. Absolutely incredible. She had nearly 100 meters post-contact, which is brilliant, and just made a whole heap of tackles as well. So Shadamato absolutely gets my three points. Completely agree. Anytime you're running over 200 meters with 83 of those post-contact, it's a really, really dominant display. And those are numbers pretty consistent with Marto's season, to be fair. Absolutely, there's an argument she is, I would say, the second best prop in this game behind Millie Boyle. I think Millie Boyle has to be outright first. You've got to respect that. Uh, but Marto absolutely puts her name in the hat there. My two points went to Georgia Hale this week. I thought she played a nice link role in the middle. She had 18 touches, and on 13 of those, she did pass which typically, uh, to go to the men's game for an example, sorry to our viewers, uh, Isaiah Yo, I think he's the best example of a link player. And people do criticize him for that. But when your team is struggling to score points, probably safe to say we don't want our lock forward just tucking the ball under arm and having hit up. We do want to play a bit expansive. And with, our, I'd say, what, our halves are 18 and a half years. I think one's 18, one's 19. So with an average age, 
of 18 and a half in our halves. We do need someone there to help them out. That was Georgia Hale in this game. And she also made 37 tackles for one miss. So my two points goes to Georgia Hale. Who does your two points go it to? It simply has to go to my MVP preseason, which I yeah. think I'm pretty happy with right now. You Clark, got it. I think I've yeah. given yeah, I think I've got it. <laughs> I think I got yeah. that one right on the dot with Georgia Hale. 37 tackles, most tackles in the game. Uh, you know, she just constantly and that's actually you know what's crazy? 37 tackles a lot for the women's game, and yet that's still about 17 odd less than what she's basically averaging this year. She's got like 57, 55, 51, you know, she's been averaging in that. This game was actually Actually, more quiet a game in regards to the defensive tackle point. But as you said, she was playing a lot more of a linking role. I just think that she's a leader, man. You know, she really, she's a leader. And it's, it's brilliant to see what she is providing this team. Uh, because we absolutely need it. Um, yeah, I was really happy with uh, with what Georgia Hale has provided throughout the season. And obviously throughout this game specifically. Uh, and then also for my one point, I'm actually going to give it to Shaylee Bent. I thought that Shaylee Bent ran the ball hard. I thought she was actually... Uh, that was one of her better games for us. I do. I think that was one of her, her better games. Uh, when it comes to all the stats and whatnot, you know, she wasn't at the top of them all. But the fact is that she was probably our most, one of our more lethal uh, attacking forwards in this game besides Shanamato. She was really, really dominant in regards to defending as well. So, look, I, I thought Shaley Bent had a good game. Yeah, Shaley Bent was probably our most potent. She looked the most potent for us. I went the other back row for my one point. I went the way of Zara Canfield, who had 84 metres, two tackle breaks and 23 tackles for one miss. I thought, well, Shaley offered the X Factor. Canfield did the hard work for us, and I really appreciated that. Just going back to Georgia Hale quickly for our viewers, these are our tackles this year. 49, 50, 56, 55, 37. So it was the least tackles she's made this year, 12 less than, than any other game, and she was you know, still a second-best player. Where it gets really crazy, she's only missed two tackles all year which puts her a tackle a efficiency rating at 99.2%, which men or women's is the highest I've ever seen five games into a season. Um, that's really, really crazy territory. The only time I can think of similar to that was Isaiah Yo for the Kangaroos, which is ironic because I was literally just comparing them. Uh, but it was Isaiah Yo at the Kangaroos World Cup. But with respect to like Scotland and um, some of the other teams we played there, they weren't offering probably as much as... Um, an equal competition like the NRLW offers. Let's jump into our preview. We're up against Jamie Sowards, Dragons at Nostrata Jubilee on Saturday at 1.15pm. Dragons come into this game with a 2-3 and three record this year. Their two losses we share in the Knights and the Roosters. So um, two sides have got three wins and two sides that have lost both their games to the Knights and Roosters. Now, I think they've probably underperformed this year, if I'm absolutely honest. I know they did sign Dalian medalist Racine McGregor this year, uh, but they did lose Rachel Pearson, who went to the Eels. And on her day, she's probably just as good as McGregor, you'd have to say. Uh, but yeah, I think they've underperformed a little bit this year. So I view it as a winnable game. Do you view it that way? And uh, how do you break this one down? Mate, first? they lost a lot of talent. The Dragons lost a lot of talent in the offseason, actually. Kez Yaps went to the Tigers. We got Shaylee Benton to Leah Fuimono. Um, you know, they did lose a lot of talent in the offseason as well. Emma Tonegato went from the Dragons to the Sharkies as well. So, you know, this Dragons team, uh, I think they would have come in believing in the team, absolutely. But, yeah, they've absolutely underwhelmed this year. They've had the two wins um, for the four points, obviously, out of the five games. But, look, they're not looking anywhere near as potent as they have been in the past. They have won it in the past, uh, but this isn't that team. I don't think that, you know, the Dragons are an awful team by any means. But with that being said, I do think that 
we should be able to win this game. And it is a must-win game for us. I know the Tigers play the Roosters, which is beneficial to us because I don't believe the women's Tigers are going to be beating the Roosters. Uh, the Broncos play the Raiders, which will take two points from one of those two teams that are comp competing around us. If we win, obviously, it benefits us that the Broncos beat the Raiders. If we lose, it benefits us that the Raiders beat the Broncos. Um, and then you've also got the Sharks there by the night. So we've actually got benefits regarding the entire ladder, win or lose in this game. But I want to win. You know, I want to win this game. I want to get back into the winner's circle. We won three from three to start the season. We've now gone two games straight where we've lost. And this is a very winnable game against a Dragons team that just simply has not been performing as they were expected to come into this season. They were one of the favourites. They're just not simply... Well, they were one of the favourites, but they were, oh, they were top five. You know, they were definitely in the top five for odds markets. You didn't see the Raiders or the Tigers or teams like that up there. So, yeah, I think that it's been underwhelming. I think our, our women's team have the full pack. I think that our back line needs to do a bit more attacking-wise, but I do think that, again, it just comes down to the leadership and direction of the halves, which, you know, we're just going to fire up the young girls. There was some murmurs that some of the team were waiting to know Jamie Sowell's contract future, uh, and he did re-sign, I think, either through this week or last week. So now that's confirmed, that might give them a little pep in their step. Uh, but I think for me, just purely looking at us, and I hate to say it two weeks in a row, but the key to victory for us here is getting our start correct. It's just so important. Every single game this year, we've conceded the first try. They've come in minutes six, two, and one in some examples. That's an average of a, not only conceding the first try, but conceding it within four minutes of the game. And that's just unacceptable, whether we're talking under sevens or, or NRLW at this point. It's something we can no longer ignore. We need to address it. And I think that starts by starting our best side. I know Lauren Brown has gone from starting to the bench and they've kind of mixed and matched this year. We've got a starter. We need to start with our best team on the park, absolutely. Dragons are averaging an extra try than us per game this year, and they do complete the highest of anyone in the competition at 81.4%, which is, I think, higher than we've completed all year at any stage. That being said, though, they do average over 40 missed tackles per game, which is the most of any side in the competition, and 10 more per game than we do. So there's a real edge there. Our path to victory for me in this one, we get that start right, and we keep that completion above 80%. If we can make them defend a sustained period of time, as those stats show us, they do miss 10 more tackles on average per game than us. We can exploit them and create opportunities through those missed tackles, particularly with some of our strike in our outside backs. Um, alternatively, though, let's say our completion's under 80%, you know, down around that 60% mark where it has been at Sages this year, and they stay fresh in attack. As the stats show, they've got the attacking prowess to get us here. So my final tip is Titans 1-12. to 12. Um, I, I just have to believe that we're five weeks in now. This side's realized the start's really important to our game plan. We've learned the tough lessons and we're ready to kick on. My tip, Titans 1-12. to 12. How do you see this one in terms of a tip? This is a pretty easy Titans 1-12 tip for me. As I said, I will t if I believe that there is a, a genuine uh, opportunity for us to win this game, then I'm always going to tip us. And for this game... I think we are the favourites for a reason. I think that we definitely should be winning this game. We're in fourth. They're in eighth. It's not been a great season for them. I know it's at Cogra. I know it's at Netstride Jubilee Stadium. Uh, but I do like our battles. Tegan Berry and Ivania Politi. Politi's not been at her best the last couple of weeks. But I do take Politi over Tegan Berry. When it comes to the wingers... Margot Vela and uh, Sinead Lendil versus Destiny Minnesota Party and Karina Brown. I think it does quite even out there. And then in regards to the centres, Jamie Chapman and I Williams Guthrie up against Keely Brown and Bobby Law. I give that to our centre battle. I give that to us, absolutely. So I'm pretty happy with the back of my battle here. 
But the issue that I find, again, is that Tyler Nathan Wong in the 5'8", and Racine McGregor, captain halfback, they do dwarf over Shante Kiriaratu and Sienna Lafipo. And that's not disrespecting El Haas. It's just saying that it doesn't look like they're ready yet and they're going up against some really, really... Not even that they don't look like they're ready yet. They're just at a point where... It's like what we have with Toby. Toby in, in the men's game, we, we, I do have to compare to this. Toby Sexton came in and didn't have a, a real experienced house partner to help him achieve what he could do, right? And yep. unfortunately, his career hasn't exactly been what we thought it would be due to the fact that he didn't have that real solid partner alongside him to help him. Ash Taylor was the exact same. Um, you can make an argument for Jamal Fogarty. You know, you can, you can make an argument for Tanner Boyd as well because obviously he came in last year as well. And really gave it a crack before Foz came in. And now that Foz is in, you've seen Tanner really improving week by week. He has been improving week by week. Still got a lot to work on, but he has been improving. So it shows that you need a quality half alongside you to get the best out of you. And it's not that neither one of these are quality. It's just that they're both at the same level in their career. So it really does clash with each other. And they don't necessarily know how to provide off the back of someone who knows what they're doing. And then you can kind of float and learn at the same time. Time. So that's my that's my problems there. Um, before anyone thinks that I'm being too heavily critical, I'm definitely not. I just think that they're they're too, they're young and it clashes due to that. Uh, but then when you go to the forwards there, I give Jessica Ellison and Shana Mato the win in the front row over Angelina Tiaranga Katola and Tara McGraw West. And then the hooker, I do give to Lauren Brown, who they've done what you said, put it back into the starting hooker role. I give it to her, Sophie Clancy. Uh, second row, Zara Cave and Charlie Bent versus Ella Costa and Jamalee Bright. I'm taking our back row. And then you don't even have to ask me who I'm taking as the 13 in Georgia Hale versus Alexis Tuel Nii. I try my best. <laughs> I try my best to uh, read out a name there. But look, I, I do think we win this game. I think we've got the better team. I do still believe we can win the competition if things go right. We just need Talia Fumo to come back and that can help out our halves and really push us going forward. So one 12 times. Mate, I love it. I think just to go back to the reference you make between the halves, and I, I, I do, I guess, want to add to what you've said, but make it very clear to the listeners and viewers that it's not really criticism. It's just an honest assessment, right? And what Kieran Foran would have been to Toby Sexton is exactly what Fui Mayano oh, is to one of our current halves right now. You need yep. that yin and yang. You need that experience and that young confidence, um, yeah. that youth. In this instance, we just have two youth. It's not a bad thing because the reason we're in this position is because of an injury to our key five eighth. Um, and so I really like your assessment, if I'm absolutely honest, and I hope that others appreciate, um, you know, the assessment that you've made there because it, well, it's just the reality. I think, of the yeah, look, I think that the thing that I have to reiterate as well is that what's the point in in listening to people on a podcast who are obviously as passionate as we are, you know, indebted to this club and uh, emotionally, financially, physically, and mentally invested in the club. What is the point of listening unless the people, you know, the guys that are talking are going to say genuinely what their opinion is? Like I could dilly-daddle around and I could say, you know, you know, big everybody up, but you guys are adults. You also, whoever's listening right now, you're adults and know what we're saying and can understand what we're saying. So if we're just going to beat around the bush and sit on the fence, it's not really something that you're going to enjoy. So, you know, we're here to provide your opinions. And I do I do just think that, yeah, it's just the age factor that is the, the, the issue there. So I think that's that's what will be the summary. We love the club, but we will give honest takes like we did in our NRL game this week. We both tipped the Panthers, unfortunately, and they did defeat us 40 to 14. For me, that's a really tough scoreline to look at. 
And whilst I can't deny we were completely outclassed by a dominant Panthers side that's won two premierships in a row, and I've got some stats on how dominant they are coming up, but I'm still really proud of our side here. The fight we shown, not for the full 80, but for a lot of that game, was absolutely amazing to me. Um, I want to know from yourself, how was the atmosphere at the ground? Do you see it that way as well? Yeah, no, if you notice me laughing, the reason why I'm laughing is just because of that little like side comment of, oh, I've got some stats for you to really prove the Panthers <laughs> were dominant in this game. Like, jeez, no, I don't want them, man. I don't want them. But no, no. no I was <laughs> I was happy with it, man. Like, I was... I'm expecting to, to, you know, to lose this game. We all were. Um, I think that I was more proud of this game than what I thought I was going to be after the game. I did say in last week's podcast, if we give up 40, 50, 60 points, I'm not going to be happy. But I think that, you know, that 40 points has come off three tries in the last 15 minutes. And that was due to the fact that, one, we also had a bin during the game, which was unfortunate to Shuppie because it was a bin, for sure. But if they had just allowed the try, it wasn't going to be a bin. But it was forward out of it was forward and whatnot, so it was a no try. But that ultimately cost us three tries. <laughs> that, that ultimately cost us, or two tries, anyway. The Tyrone Peachy and Tom Jenkins try. So, you know, I, I think that... I was really happy with with the effort that we showed again, and it does show that the the general NRL community have noted that we do have a team here. We know we have a team here, but it's good to see others in the NRL community see the Titans as a team that could do really well under Desi Hasler, and I do think he absolutely has a team to work with. I'll say that Cleese Haas try in the first two minutes of the game was extremely hot. It was extremely hot, and I believe I can say this. You know, Cleese is a good friend of mine. I believe I can say this. Cleese was really sick going into this game. Like, he was he was sick going into this game. He's still sick right now. You know, he was, he, he was sick. So, you know, him breaking away like that showed the talent that he has. He's come leaps and bounds as a player this year, man. I have loved the progression of Cleese Huss. You know, we've got a great four-pack next year. You go Bowie Firma, Dave Fafida, and then tell me who's your, your forwards on the bench because we've got a whole heap of them. But I do think that Cleese Huss needs to be on that bench. I don't think he gets a spot over Davey or, or Bowie, um, obviously provided that Bowie comes back all well as he's done before. Um, but it's just, we've got some players in this team that are making a name for themselves this year that are going to put their hands up to work under a great coach in Desi Hasler. This is the Panthers. They've won back-to-back premierships. They are top of the table right now. They've actually made three grand finals in a row. You know, they were struggling up until 2020. So it just shows how quickly things can turn around as well. 2019, I think they came like 10th, 11th or whatever, and hadn't really done anything for a good, basically 15, 20 odd years. They were better than what we've done, but in the same sense, they did nothing for like 15, 20 years. So this Panthers team is a well-oiled machine that runs from top to bottom. And if you've watched what Steve Mitchell and Dennis Watt have been doing, they have been building this club from top to bottom. It doesn't take two seconds. It took longer than five, six, seven years for Gus to really implement that plan. So, um, yeah, I think that for a team that had no Tanner Boyd, had no Kieran Foran, had no Sammy Verrills, JC went down injured, Phil Sammy went down injured, um, a man down in the game, a debutante in Tommy Weaver in the halfback, I was happy with it. I was definitely happy with it. And I think it's just as simple as that. I think we just need to move on and say, you know what, let's do give it another good old solid crack against the Melbourne Storm. That's it. We gave it a crack. And my assessment of this game and anyone that plays the Panthers is you need to come into the game 10 out of 10. You need your best 17 there absolutely to beat them. But then you need to play a 9.5 out of 10. And I do think no matter how good you play in the NRL, the only time I'm going to rate your side 9.5 out of 10 is if you get through a game unscathed of that injuries. 
You need your full bench. You need the whole team there throughout the whole 80 minutes. Now, this is the Panthers stuff that <laughs> you uh, begrudged or didn't want to hear about at least. <laughs> so this Panthers side has less losses going back to round one of 2020 than we've had this year. They have 11 losses since round one of 2020. We've got 14 this year. So it's like, why? 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 why do you do this to us, man? It's, it's more so to show the class of them. Because you could probably pick out that stat for a lot of teams, man. Like, you could pick that stat out for a lot of teams. Um, everyone lower than us on the ladder at the start. That's five other teams, six other teams there. But I just think that you look at that stat there and you can really consider how dominant that is. Then you want to put my side against him that's missing Jojo, Foran, Boyd, Verils, Clark, that loses Campbell and Sammy mid-game with a young halfback that's on debut against the best halfback in the world, Nathan Cleary. We probably came into the game six out of 10 in terms of where our roster's at because of the injuries. And then, of course, losing Jaden Campbell and Philip Sami, two of our best players, we then dropped to a five out of 10. This should have been a 50-point blowout. Uh, and I know the Panthers did pull away late with that 18 points in the final 15 minutes, but I expected them to. They're that classy. They're always going to do that when you get these key injuries and you know, you've know fought tooth and nail um, for so long against them. I expected that from the Panthers. But what I probably didn't expect was our side to show as much fight as they did to bring that scoreline so close to 20 to go where I was watching and genuinely thought, could we pull off the greatest upset right now? I had those thoughts. Mm. Um, to score in the first three minutes to Cleese Haas, absolutely a huge positive. That was one of the best solo tries we'll see this year. To overcome an Aaron Shop sin bin, which it was fair. It was unfortunate by Shop. He didn't mean to do it at all. But then let's go to Thomas Jenkins in an offside position and clearly clearly not even like is he it's obvious he's shielding i believe it was loffy off the ball that's a professional foul i don't care how you want to skin the cat panthers that's a professional foul and I'm we go again he comes I'm bringing the skinning it back. of the cats again <laughs> because if we're going to talk skinning of the cats what about the hip drop by james fisher harris now I'm do you want to start me right now talking about these refereeing decisions because i'll start flipping is it out, a yes has it been a sin bin this year Absolutely yes, has. and it's been the, at least a week or two suspension. He gets a fine and told, well, "That was unlucky, mate. Play on." <laughs> and, and again, it's because Fodawaka was luckily not injured and he's able to get up. If no, Fodawaka is lying on the ground like Charles was when he hit him, going, "Oh, Charles was actually more like this," but you know, if he's this is on a podcast, I'm thinking, "What's he saying right now?" I'm mimicking someone <laughs> injured. <laughs> Sorry, guys, but you know what I mean. If Mo's genuinely injured there and stays down, Fisher Harris is going to the sin bin. If he wants to carry on one step further and really be hurt like Chance, he's getting sent off. It, it, these referee decisions really hurt us. I have a question, oh, sir. I can see your hand up at the back there. Thank you, thank you. Um, Jerome Luai, was that a knock-on or was that not a knock-on? Oh. Uh, you know, and, and they, they, they score, score a try well. right next to that. I just want to throw yeah. that out there. Um, thank you for uh, my question. That is all that I have for you today. Mate, if you're going to be pointing out bangers like that... Put two hands up next time. But no, you're absolutely <laughs> right. A try came off that. So that's two sin bins we were unlucky with. A try that come off a clear knock-on. And look, let me be completely clear. I'm not trying to take away from the Panthers. They were the better team and they deserved mm. their win. And in all likelihood, they would have won regardless. But I tell you what, I love our team. I love this effort. And whilst I fully acknowledge the Panthers were great, I can't help but feel from, a ter from terms of pride and passion, there's a good win in that for us in that game. It wasn't a win on the score sheet, but... That's a win there for Titans fans as we look forward to 2024 Absolutely. under Des Hasler. 
Let's jump into our three, two, ones. I'll go to you for your three points, and I know who you're gonna say. Big Bopa, Tino Fasu Malawi. What a big Bopa, man! A hundred and seventy-six meters. Also, nearly got to the hundred-meter post-contact mark. He was just absolutely phenomenal. Made heap of tackles. You know, had a heap of tackle breaks. Uh, just yeah. Look, honestly, this guy is a machine. It's always going to be the case with Tino. Uh, he's just ridiculous, and this is why we had to do that contract. We needed to keep him. You know, this is what we wanted. Unfortunately, it is a, a necessity of the contract that he has received. But the fact of the matter is, is that he's ours, and he's at least ours, a hundred percent guaranteed, signed, sealed, and delivered for three more years at very minimum. Right, so and I, I don't believe that it's a. I should have said this before as well. I don't believe it's every single year he's got a player option as well. After that, I don't. I, I don't personally necessarily believe that. I think that you know he's got the three years, and then he'll have probably a player option, and then he'll go for another few years or whatnot. Right, because that would just be silly to have it then for seven years of player option, player option, player option. Um, but with that being said, guys, I'm still quite sick. Right, so do forgive me if I'm a little bit hazy on today's podcast. Uh, but yeah, look, uh, and I had to deal with the Jerome Luan knock on, and and actually. Uh, sorry, I'm completely going off topic here, but I do need to point this out. Tyrone Peachy, right? I've got people. I'm doing my own thing. I'm vlogging. I've got the drums. I'm doing the chants. I'm seeing people coming up. I've got all this kind of stuff going. I'm watching the game. And then I've got people around me talking smack to Tyrone Peachy, having a bit of a laugh at him. And Tyrone Peachy looks back at me and says BKR and tells me to shush. I did nothing. I didn't do anything. So Tyrone Peachy, big fan of BKR and the podcast, obviously. Thanks, Tyrone. Um, but I just wanted to throw that one out there. Tyrone, wasn't me, mate. <laughs> I wasn't even the one giving you a smack. Uh, it was just my own business. You know what, actually, anyway, just, just on Tyrone, because he he did play for us. Um, and, you know, I really do like Tyrone. So I've actually got something here on the podcast. Which I'm just going to get my... We <laughs> know this is insane. <laughs> If anyone ever sees the uh, raw, uncut version of this podcast, <laughs> I'm going to keep that part in. We're going to keep continue from here. We're, gonna keep, we're not having the part. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll cut us back in. Oh, we're back in right now. We're laughing. <laughs> I've just said something completely inappropriate that we've cut from the show. And we're going to continue, and everyone else is wondering why we're laughing. But we're Tino is my three that. points, man. Tino's my three points. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave Tino. Tino, absolutely big Bobber loving. Yeah, well, I love you too, Tino. To be clear, what I said was not about you. Uh, two points. Moeki Fotu Aika equaled the same hit-ups as Tino for 156 metres and worked even harder in defence with 42 tackles. It's hard not to love big Mo. They couldn't stop him. They tried to hip drop him, and they still couldn't stop him. So we love you, Mo. Great game by you. Who gets your two points? I just realized that I was muted. Uh, yeah, so I'm still recovering from what you <laughs> I saw I. I still <laughs> you know what? Uh, I think that... I, I, I do want to give it to Jimmy Jolliffe again. I want to give it to big, big Jimmy Jolliffe. 166 running meters from 16 runs. You know, this guy is someone that we absolutely have needed. Like, he just runs the ball hard, and it's happened again the, the week on after. 60 post-contact meters. So he's actually very much relatively similarly... I don't know why I'm continuing with random words right now, uh, but 166 meters for Jimmy and 176 metres for Tino and the post-contact metres Tino 75 and Jimmy Jolliffe on 60 so very similar stats there Tino had 5 tackle breaks Jimmy had 3 tackle breaks uh, 17 hit-ups for Tino 15 hit-ups for Jimmy Jolliffe um, you know didn't have an offload though but it's only off by 1 there and then 
Uh, was all, I'm just looking through all the stats here. And then tackles made. Jimmy made 26 tackles. And Tino made 28 tackles. A lot, very similar, very similar game. Tino obviously didn't miss a tackle and Jimmy missed two. But overall, very similar stats there. So if, if Tino is getting the three points, then Jimmy, for me, deserves the two points. Yeah, you look when like dominant teams like the Panthers won their premierships. Uh, to start off, it was Fisher-Harris and it was James Tamo. And then they were supported by Moses Liotta. For us, I believe that Jimmy at the moment is that the support act to Fodawaker and Tino. And then one day I'd love to see. Well, I think Jimmy could absolutely become that main guy for us as well. Um, as you said there, the numbers are just so close that it's impossible not to respect it. My one point, I'm going to go controversial. I'm, and I, I know no one else will agree with me here because he was sin bent. I'm going Aaron Schopp. I thought the sin bin was, there was just, it was just something silly for one second that a lot of players would commit in that moment. But he returned, not at centre, on the wing for Phil Sammy, which is an unfamiliar position for him. Didn't miss a tackle on the wing there. An unfamiliar position, as I said. Um, and he also had the most run metres of any outside back at 142. So I just had to respect how the way Shop cleared his head, came back in an unfamiliar position, and still put together from that point a great game for us. Who gets your one point? I'm going Chrissy Randall. I'm going oh, Chrissy Randall. Back again. He's here all the time. He's just absolutely the utility machine. Chris Randall goes into the nine. Obviously, Sammy Verrills is done for the season. Uh, you know, he had the most tackles in the game. 46 tackles in the game, which just shows how quality he is defensively. When you're making a lot of tackles, you're going to miss a couple of tackles. He didn't miss the four there, but he's making a damn well a lot of tackles, man. So you do have to kind of forgive him on that regards. Uh, then you also go and have a look at the fact that although he's not exactly an attacking hooker, this was an issue that we thought coming into the season that Chris Randall's not exactly the greatest when it comes to attacking pressure. Uh, he still went for 29 meters through four runs. 29 meters through four runs there uh, with a few con post-contact meters, a couple tackle breaks, you know, a couple hit-ups there. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that Chrissy Randall had a great game there. Um, had a couple of errors though, which was an issue. But overall, it's going to happen when you're mixing him from the back row to the front row, to the bench, to the hooker, back to the bench, back row, and then back to the hooker. That's not exactly the train of events, but it's just the point of what's been happening with Chrissy Randall this year. He's been everywhere. So I'm giving him my one point. I love Chrissy Randall. It's his shout in Melbourne. I want to give an honorable mention. How many get Chris Looming, he's got over 200 plus games in professional footy. I, I want you to have a guess. How many of those do you reckon he started at 5'8"? At 5'8"? Hmm. And how many games did you say? He's got over 200. Predominantly a hooker. But how many do you reckon he's filled in at 5'8 for across that career? This is an absolutely wild guess, but I'm going to make a guess and I'm just going to say three. You got it. You uh, you literally got Am it. I and right? for our viewers, you, yeah, you actually did. Not, <laughs> oh, we actually did not discuss this before. You got it. So he's only played three times there before, losing two of them over in England. And when Jaden went down, I thought he had a lot of energy and was really good for us in the halves there. Cruz filling in in what is the word of this segment, an unfamiliar position, but he was awesome mm. in that role. So big. Bro, no one go is going right. to believe, no one's going to believe that I randomly I got that. Like I, I'm just for anyone, everyone watching and listening, that was genuine. Like actually, if yeah. they're watching on YouTube, you would know that was me genuinely thinking of that. So I had no idea, but you know what? I'm a magician. Thanks for coming. Unless I've got my screens being shared in by some way and I'm not, I don't know what's going on. You saw that was an absolute great guess there. Uh, let's go around the grounds, our segment where we talk reserve grade and keep a watch on all of our Titans that are outside of our NRL side at the moment. Uh, let's kick it off with the Bears. They take out the minor premiership, defeating the Blackhawks 20-12. to um, 
And of course that happened because the Magpies coached by Carmichael Hunt, who could have become the first team ever to go from a wooden spoon to a premiership in one season with a rookie coach in Q Cup. So great season by Carmichael Hunt as the coach regardless, but they did drop that game. That cost them the minor premiership. Um, I want to go to you. How did our Titans go in the Burley game? You've got to be happy with this, man. You've got to be happy. And, and you know how I said a couple of weeks ago, I said that draw is going to really benefit us. It's going to really benefit us. Well, guess what it did? <laughs> the draw really did benefit us because it put us on that uneven area. You know, just to quickly, I know I'll get into the, the Titans players in a second, but just to go into what happened there, we finished, the Burley Bears finished on 35 points. The Southside Magpies finished on 34 points. So if we didn't get that draw, we lost that game. Our points differential was plus 171, whilst the Magpies' points differential was plus 196. So that's 25 points differential in favor of the Magpies. So with that draw there, man, it put us into that first place and ended up being very beneficial. So not only am I getting Cruz leaning 5-8, but I'm also getting the fact that that was a, a beneficial draw. Um, but yeah, look, we had a great a great time again. You know, we uh, beat the Blackhawks there, so that was fantastic. Uh, Tony Francis, one try, uh, five tackle breaks, 95 meters. Josiah Bahulu, who's uh, actually on the extended bench this week for the Titans, 42 meters and 14 tackles from a short stint off the bench. Um, so yeah, look, I was pretty happy with, uh, with what the Burley Bears have done this season. They put themselves into that first place, and now they've got the team that uh, actually played the South Logan Magpies and just beat them 18-14 in the uh, Central Queensland Capras, who I know that is a great, is a big fan of. So uh, my team versus his, first versus fourth. Chee hoo, baby, here come the Burley Bears. We're going flying at UAA Park on the Gold Coast on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday, 4 p.m. It is at uh, UAA Park in Burley. If you want to get down to that game to any of our listeners, um, fantastic result by the Bears. While you were talking, I was trying to find all of our Titans players that have featured for them at one stage this season. Um, I couldn't find that information, unfortunately. But I do know you need to have at least five games to play um, in Queensland Cup Finals. And this is where we're a little bit of controversy here that I want to talk about. So our Seagulls, we lose 37-12 to the Falcons, which is kind of disappointing. As I said, you need five games. Now, Ryan Puppenhausen, who returns this week to Hornets again in the NRL, does not qualify for the finals. He's played less than five this year due to injury, but he played a key part playing the 80 minutes there to eliminate the to eliminate sorry the Seagulls and Falcons, take that eighth place from us. So it's season over. We finish ninth. Realistically, losing Tommy Weaver, who's been the halfback there all year, it was always going to be hard in this one. But let's have a look at our Titans players. Tremaine Spry moved to fullback where he got 98 metres and three tackle breaks. And Joseph Vuna, he played out the full 80 where he had 91 metres and 27 tackles. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, Bears v Capras this weekend. We'll um we'll keep you updated on that as we can. Our current injury list. This one will be short and sharp. This segment for the rest of the year. Verrills, Boyd, Clark, Sammy, Campbell, Firma, all returning next year. Our team list. Two changes. Philip Sammy is out injured, so Jojo Fafita comes into the wing, onto the wing rather, and Kieran Foran is back from that sternum injury injury at five eighth with Jaden Campbell dropping out. Um, any differences you would have liked to see with the team list? Any players you would have liked to see blooded or anything like that? I don't really like. Obviously, look, I I think AJ actually had a pretty pretty decent game in parts as well from his return from injury against the Panthers. But in the same sense, I do want to see Keanu get a crack. You know, I do want to see Keanu. And I, you know what I would have loved? Throw Brimo into the centres for the rest of this season, so we can see if that's what we want to go with for the, for next year. You know, I would have loved to have put Brimo there. You know, even if we want to have him as our main fullback next year. 
put him in against the Storm, put him in against the Bulldogs, test out, chance the arm. If we lose a game, like, what do you do? You know, we finish by the Dolphins, finish by the Dolphins. I don't really care at this point. I'm not going to lie because it's just obvious that, you know, we're not going to be going crazy with this season. So, chance the arm with Brim Owens in the centres, throw Keanu Kenny and give him his opportunity in the fullback there. You know, we've got a great, great side at the back here. I know that people were begging for Kenny Mamalo to get a crack over Joe. Well, not even over Joe, Joe Fafita, uh, but they were just begging for Kenny Mamalo to get an opportunity. He didn't get one there. Uh, you know, Foran comes back in. Does he need to, is my question. Um, you, could, you could have actually put AJ in the 5'8 if you really wanted to. Look, I just, I care for Foz, right? I care for Foz, and I know that he's, his body's really feeling it. So that's why it kind of, does he really need to give him that extra rest? But I guess he's only got two more weeks left of having to, to deal with that um, before he's got a couple months off. Before, and then he has to get right into a Desi Hasler preseason training camp. Uh, but yeah, look, I think that the only thing I would have done, AJ to the centers, Keanu to the fullback, uh, and yeah, I, I probably would have said maybe maybe we could try Shuppy as off the bench back row, which he's been doing for the, uh, which he's been doing for Tweet when he get, gets a crack there. And I, I, look, obviously Shuppy got your your point, and I thought he had a decent game there. Besides the same being against the Panthers, but in the same sense, you know, he has been playing a lot of back row for Tweet. So it's just a few things we could have chanced the arm with. Yeah, I went to go look at the Bears team list to figure out who's there, who's not, and you know that sort of stuff. But it's actually got the the wrong team list here. This is um. This is the Magpies team. It's it's not our team. So the Q Cup website's <laughs> playing up a little bit there. I saw Tristan Saylor and Jordan Bahia, uh, Bahia on, and I was like, what the hell? And then I kept Sit scrolling around. down and I saw uh, Blake Moser on the bench and a bunch of other Broncos players. And I was like, okay, something's not right there. Um, but yeah, my only change I would have liked to see was Brimson center, Shoppy on the wing. I think he was good enough to give him a, another chance there. Um, and then, of course, Keanu Kinney starting at fullback just to give him those opportunities um, against, you know, Jaden Campbell came in and debuted against a tough Melbourne Storm side a few years ago. He had a great game. Can be Keanu done. Kenny has debuted uh, and has played this year. I just want to throw this out there. The three games I believe he has played this year, the Parramatta Eels at Suncorp, the Rabbitohs, and was it the... Oh, it was another team. It was another really good team. It was a few weeks ago. I can't remember. But it's been three really good teams he's played against. I guess maybe you don't put him in this one. Maybe you chuck him in for the Bulldogs game. But then again, you want Primo to get the last game of the season. I don't know. I just, I would love to see Keanu get an opportunity because I know what he can do. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, you're right. It was the Eels, Rabbitohs, Warriors, and Sharks. So, um, oh, two sides, two sides That's that are in the top wild. eight and two sides that are just on the border of it as well. Tough games to, um, to come in for. Let's preview our game. We're against the Storm on Saturday, 3 p.m. We're in Amy Park. So down in Melbourne, we take on a Storm side that has an eight and three record at home this year, where our away record officially reads three and eight. Two very opposite ends of the spectrum there. Realistically, um, and I think it's fair to say this, this does loom as another very tough matchup for us on paper. Um, do you see it that way? And what are you hoping to see in this game? I'm seeing it that way, Clay. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I, I, I am seeing it that way. As you guys uh, here on YouTube could tell, I was losing my mind a little bit there uh, because that's what this season has done to me. You know, that's what this season has done to me. Uh, look, I, I just want to see us give it another go, man. You know, we we gave it a solid go against the Broncos and we won there under against all odds at Suncorp. You know, we gave it a solid crack against the Panthers. You know, we gave it a really honest go against the Warriors. Uh, We've beaten the Storm already this season. We did beat them earlier on in the year under very di different circumstances. A much healthier team then. It was a high-scoring game. I think it was 38-34 in, in the blistering heat that we always get every year. 
I, I think that, look, I get a little bit of a vibe about maybe we could do something here just simply because I do love Tommy Weaver playing alongside Kieran Foran. I think that's a really, really nice play there where Tommy's getting that experience half alongside him because uh, although JC is our spark, like Foz is that experienced leader from the 5-8, so Tommy Weaver could really explode here under Foz. Just no more kicks on third and second. Um, that's all I ask there. I understand the first one. I understand the second one. Maybe the third one, maybe not so much. Uh, but I do also think that could have been a game plan that he's been told to. So I'm not, you know, as we've said many, many times, please don't go too hard on a debutante young lad. I've had to defend him to the bone against some bloke on one of the fan clubs the other day. Like, truly, Tom Weaver is a young bloke coming through the system. Truly, you just need to give him some time. And Foz is a great person there alongside him. Um, I think that our forward pack... I, I believe our forward pack is better than theirs. I'll, I'll throw this out to you. I, I believe our forward pack is better than theirs, but their hooker is obviously Harry Grant to our Chris Randall. I do give that pretty pretty easily there to Harry Grant. But Tui Kamikamita and Christian Welsh going up against Moeki Fodawaker and Jimmy Jolliffe. I genuinely think that we have a more dynamic front row forward pack there. I do. I think so. And then our back row is of David Feeder and Cleese Haas. I genuinely think that David Feeder and Cleese Haas is a better duo than Trent Loyero and Elias Katoa. I genuinely think it. And then when you go to the 13, Tino Fasumalawi versus Nelson Osama Salamona. Two guys you probably normally see playing in the front row. I give it to Tino, right? But then you do go into the back line and you do say that their halves, they've got much more experience than us. Their wingers, Warbrick's on an absolute tear this year. I caught him as my breakout storm player on BKR Sport YouTube earlier in the year. Xavier Coates, we all know what he can do. Marion Seven, young Tom Pia, though, is a bit dicey. Uh, I wouldn't actually say necessarily that our centers aren't that bad comparatively. I'd say actually our center might, might be better, to be completely we'll honest. We'll get him there, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, you go to the fullback and Nick Meaty versus Brimo. I go Brimo, personally. I, yeah, I go Brimmer. But I, I just think that their halves and their hooker is what's going to win them this game if they win this game. It's such a great halves pairing. Cameron Munster is the best full, best 5'8 in the game right now. And Jerome Hughes is the probably the most in-form halfback. You'd say Cleary and Sean Johnson are ahead of him. But in recent weeks, Jerome Hughes has been better than both. Storm bounced back really well from their Panthers loss, which at that point of the season, looked to be pretty devastating. They had a complete shutout against the Raiders where they won by 46 points. And then they had a somewhat close game against the Dragons where they just did enough and found a way to win, which I actually think strangely hurts our chances in this one because not only do we have a win over them early this year, it kind of removes the chance for us that Storm come in a little bit off or take us lightly. Um, we They saw last week firsthand what happens if you take anyone lightly in the NRL and they don't need a greater reminder that we have already beaten them this year. So, I don't think I need to break this one down statistically or talk about keys to victory. I think everyone knows um, that we are significant underdogs in this one. The Storms have opened as massive favorites. I think they were as low as like a dollar and 10, and rightfully so. I do agree with that. All I can humbly ask of our team, just like last week, is we show up with the right attitude and have a right crack at them. If we do that, ultimately I'm happy. It's the losses where... You look back and you think we left something out there or we weren't all at 100% today. We weren't playing as a team that not only did they hurt at the time, they hurt after the fact. When we go out and give it our good crack like we did against the Panthers and the Warriors and the Eels and the Dolphins and the Raiders and we lose these games by close marks where we all tried our best, I'm not so upset afterwards. Um, you know, or it could be 
the referees awarding penalty conversions one week and not the other, or then a former Titans player that just so happens to start negotiating whether the club's behind our back whilst he's the captain. Um, you know, we happen to play halfback. He blocks David Feder, who still manages to score, but then the bunker overturns it with the worst decision of 2023. But I don't want to get too specific. Just then, or was that just like on one breath? <laughs> As I said, I, I wanted to keep it nice and broad. I didn't want to get too specific or narrow in on anything in particular. Uh, my final tip in this one is Storm. I think they should win 13 plus, but I think it'll be the same as the Panthers game. We've got good fight for 60, 70 minutes, and then they probably just got that class to get a try or two late and and get to that 13 plus margin. So unfortunately, um, I'll back as as hard as I can down there in Melbourne with you for an upset, but I think Storm should should win this one uh, comfortably. What's your final tip for this game? I'm going to give us a bit more credit, not saying you're not, but I'm going to give us a bit more credit in the fact that I'm going to say Storm 1 to 12. I think that they're playing for more. They're playing for their top four spot. Just to give everyone a bit of a wrap here about the ladder right now, the Titans are in 13th uh, with 22 points and a minus one and nine points differential. The Dolphins are on 22 points and 14th with a minus 111 points differential. They take on the Cowboys who are playing for their top eight spot. So uh, both our teams right now, we're directly correlating with each other. I don't care about the Bulldogs and also... It doesn't really matter about Manly because Manly play the Bulldogs. So uh, actually, it would do us a favour if Manly beat the Bulldogs this week because it would mean that we wouldn't be playing for a higher spot in the ladder next week against the Dogs in the last game of the season. Like they would actually no, yeah no that would because their points differential is awful. The Dogs is minus three hundred and nine. That is awful. Um, you know, you know, it's crazy for you guys. So I'll tell you, Titans are minus one nine points differential. We're at thirteenth. The Raiders are in sixth with a minus one away points differential. They've only got one point better than us. One point better than us there. Uh, but look, I think yeah, the Storm are playing for a top four spot. They win this game. I would probably say they've made it. Oh, the Sharks are still sneaking up there. I'd probably still say they've made it though. And the Sharks have a good game against the Knights this week. So um, I'm gonna say one of twelve and. Just to reiterate what you said before, ultimately at the end of the day, and I've really come to knowledge of this this year, when you go to all these games as I do, and you see things from the perspective of all the different kinds of fans, the community and whatnot, at the end of the day, ultimately, you just as a fan want to see your team give it the best crack that you possibly can. If you see laziness, you'll pick up on it immediately and you'll feel down. If you see uh, weakness or being lethargic or you know, just not being in it, right? And this is the thing, the Rabbitohs fans have such a big complaint with their team right now is they don't feel like their team has the care factor, right? With us, I know personally this team has the care factor, but as a general fan consensus, I think we all know this team does care because we've seen it against the Panthers, we've seen it against the Warriors, we've seen it against the Broncos. At the beginning parts of the year, it may not have seemed like that with the, the completing the completely falling off of the second half. But overall, I can tell you right now, it's proof in the pudding that the last few weeks we have been absolutely giving a crap. The Sharks game was maybe one we don't talk about there, but that was again just tiredness, I'd say. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna tip Titans. Sorry, I'm gonna tip the Storm one to twelve. Uh, I do think that there is, I think that there is the most minuscule of minuscule worlds that I can see us winning the game, but I I don't think that we do. So I will say Storm one to twelve, but I will be there as always, sitting next to you, son, down there in Melbourne. Should be good. It should be a great game. And mate, we have got upsets over the storm before, so we can't rule it out completely this year, is one. Um, and also the 2017 season, one of the best. Yeah, but I also want to say in regards to the storm too, though, is that I'll never be able to forget, I was there at this game too at Amy Park, 
It was about 11 years ago, if we all remember Kevy G, Kevy Gordon. I actually, he was one of my uh, neighbours growing up. Uh, but I remember that the Melbourne game, I've always got, you know, haunted memories from that stadium because that was where he, he had his injury that ultimately did end his career. He was one of the fastest wingers that you'd seen. Him and David May as a wing pairing, unbelievable. Um, so I have bad memories of Amy Park, but there has been some good memories where we have gotten sneaky wins. Greg Bird got us a win there once, which was brilliant. So, you know, fire it up. You know, like you said, we got the win early this season. 2017, a bit of Connie Harrell, Anthony Don, magic. I don't know. Let's feel it. Let's get the vibe going. And I'm glad there'll be like a contingent of Titans fans there. I remember I went in 2015. I don't remember the round, but I know it was the game when Ryan James took, I believe, their fullback at that time high. We picked it up and scored, and it was a controversial <laughs> one. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if you were there, but uh, there wasn't many Titans fans, man. Like, as I was no. walking in, oh yeah, I would have so, been there because I was living in Melbourne about then. Yeah, I was living there. Nice. Yeah, you might have been the only other Titans fan I saw. To be honest, man, I wouldn't have known you back then. But I do remember <laughs> as I walked in, the crowd announcer made a big moment of he goes, "Oh look, we've got the first Titans fan." Um, and I was only like half an hour early to the game, so um, the support that our clubs get in recent years is definitely, you know, on an upwards trajectory. Um, that's that's awesome to see. Let's uh, jump into our Q&A section before we close off the show for the week. Our first question, or sorry, I should say, if you want to ask a question, the best place to do is via the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. Search that on Facebook. It's a Facebook group. You'll get let in and Nick can ask you questions there every week or on the BKR Sport Instagram story. Our first question comes from Zach Glancy, and he says, how do you see us fitting in Weaver next season? Kid can play. We need to hold on to him. Where have you got Tommy sitting for us next year? I still believe that Desi will go Tan. I think Desi is going to go Tanner in the seven uh, and then Foz in the six. But I also don't know about Foz's health. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, I, I know that this man bleeds to this club. He he throws his body at the line. I know how much he cares about this club. But I don't know how long... De- uh, not Desi's body. I don't know how long Foz's body is going to, to to keep cracking on here for the club. I know he'll stick around. He'll work with the club regardless. Uh, but I just this isn't any inside knowledge or anything. This is just complete opinion. Um, but I do have that slight concern that that is a possibility going into the future. So maybe you might see him in that six. But I would be concerned with a hard pairing of Tommy Weaver and Tanner Boyd. I don't think that really will work necessarily, especially when you need someone of that real solid experience. I don't think Tan's at that real solid experience level yet to partner a Weaver. Um, you know, we do need to find a way to fit JC in, right? And JC is actually more of a priority than, than Tommy Weaver. And I think we can all agree on that. And that's no disrespect to Tommy. It's just that JC's been doing it longer. We've been trying to figure out a way to implement him in longer. And I think JC is the priority right now. Tommy Weaver is definitely second priority. Uh, and then we've got players that continue underneath that. Uh, but yeah, look, I, I, I really don't know. I don't actually have a complete answer for you because it is a really mm. difficult one with JC and AJ being included with this, with the 5-8 issue, with Foz's health, with Tanner there. I don't know. I personally believe we'll go in next season with Fozer and also Tanner, but I do believe that Weaver should have... It's a hard one, man. It's a good problem to have, but it's a hard one. I think, look, Tanner's three years older than Weaver. He's more experienced. He's had a whole season on his belt. So for me, he is our halfback next year. And I think Tom can respect that as well, um, given, you know, how young he is and, and the fact that, you know, it does... Most halfbacks don't really start really... 
I guess, properly understanding everything to do with the game and being able to influence and control that until they're like 23 around Tanner's age. But I agree. Tommy Weaver next year, as it currently stands, is our clear backup half. If Ford or Boyd go down at any stage of the season, Tommy Weaver is playing NRL, um, especially when Tanner makes the Queensland side and plays halfback with DC straight out the back. That's how much <laughs> Tanner's going to improve in 2024. Early hot take. Um, but you know what I mean? Weaver is our clear backup half at this stage, but you probably can't say... Um, he's our clear starting halfback just yet. Um, and then, yeah, you know, Foran's only got one more year. Maybe Foran retires and Desi goes, you know, I've seen enough from you, Tom. I think you're our six next year. Or I think, Boyd, you're our new six and you're our seven, Tommy. So he puts himself in a position to unlock what he wants in the future um, with a good season next year as our backup half, in my opinion. Our next question comes the way of Jacob Pabellstar. And he said, is Tino on a trajectory to be the best Titans player ever? Who is our greatest player at this stage? I'd say Preston Campbell. Would you agree with that? Presto, you've got Scotty Prince as well, which is a really big I think, shout. I, I think Scott hurt his chances of being our GOAT when he went back to the Broncos before he retired, back That's to our point. rivals. I think um, on but pure we're just playing talking ability, strictly on if, you, if you're talking pure playing ability, you'd probably... Well, I, I still can't really separate Scotty Prince and Presto, but I think that you would lean with... Scotty, in the fact that's probably our last pure, absolute brilliant quality seven, um, and that's no disrespect to the guys we've had in the past, but like that was our guy that got us to the preliminary final. Also, won us a spoon, to be fair, but got us to the preliminary final. Uh, Matty Rogers has got to be up there as well, but I, I do think Presto is above him still. Uh, and I think you know, likes of Luke Bailey back in the day was brilliant, but overall, yeah, I'd say that on a pure playing ability. Maybe Scotty, but on a club legend status like you're kind of referring to, I would say Presto. Uh, Preston's my goat. He received the Paul Broughton medal on one occasion, that being 2008. Someone like Luke Bailey won it three times, an Augur winner, and again in 2010, 2011. Ryan James has won it twice, but see, Tino's won it the last yeah, two years. Yeah, what, what I'll say just... here is on the on the proje- projection on the. On the uh, like, how did he, what was the word that he said again? On the trajectory, that's the word he was saying. Um, on this trajectory, yes, the answer is absolutely is one hundred percent because again, those guys didn't actually play for us for that long because we were a brand new club. We they played for us what five or so years. Tina's already played for us for a few, for a few years and has signed that ten year contract, right? So um, I think that on the trajectory to answer the, the question specifically on the trajectory, yes. On the trajectory that Nathan Cleary's on, he's actually technically going to be the best player that ever played the game, right? But the fact of the matter is everyone's also still going to have their opinions. Everyone's still going to have their opinion of Cameron Smith. They're going to have their opinion of Billy Slater. Um, you know, buddy, uh, Wally Lewis, Darren Lockyer, Brad Fittler. Everyone's got their different opinions. Andrew Johns. So for me, I think on this trajectory, Tino will be, Absolutely. Uh, but right this current second, it's between Scotty Prince and Preston Campbell. I agree, Tino. He's already won two Paul Broughton medals in a row. He's probably pretty favoured at the moment to win it three years in a row. It's probably between him, Mo, and Dave at this stage. And here's something I quickly got to bring up that I just noticed as well, looking for this. AJ, Br- Chris Randall, you think? Just a little bit of a smoky. Get a bit of a yeah. smoky in there, son. Chris, he's been unreal this year. Yeah, he's a smoky for sure. He's been absolutely unreal, that's for sure. Look. In 2018, we introduced the Fan Club Best Player Award. Only one man's ever won it. I'm going to put you on another little bit of hot trivia here. Do you know who that is? 2018. So that's a player that's been playing for us for five years. Well, then it's not Tino. Um, 
Uh, I'm thinking it's 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 probably gonna be. Was Brimo there in 2018? Yeah, he got it. Spamson. He got it. Yeah, um, I think that's yeah. the only one he's really been. It feels Sami as well, but I know that a winger wouldn't be getting that. So yeah, yeah Brimo. There you go. I see two yeah, from Brimo. two. Magician man. Yep, I love it. Brimo was our under twenties player of the year in 2017. 2018, he was our rookie of the year, which coincided with the fan club best player award, and he's won it every year since. Five in a row for Brimo as our members' choice for best player. That's a bloody awesome achievement right there. And it just shows how much we do love Brimo. Unfortunately, due comes... to the fact that he has been injured quite a bit this year, unfortunately, the injuries are probably going to prevent him from winning it this year. But with that being said, the Brimdog Millionaire is a Brimdog Millionaire for a reason. I can see the Paul Broughton medal this year going to Dave Fafita. And I can see Tino or Mo winning the, the, the fan club award. Um, but it's very close. Very, very close. Final question comes courtesy of Locks43. And he says, thoughts on Keenan Palacio coming to the club next year? He's going to be very underrated. Do you currently have Palacio in our best 17 next year? Or do you think he'll have to come in and play a bit of a depth role to start? I think he will have to play a depth role to start. I do. I think that, uh, like, whilst I think that Keenan is a good player... I also think we've got to show a bit of loyalty to some of these guys in the back row and into the forwards that deserve their spot right now have been here for a little bit. Like, you've got... He's back row, right? He can play back row or prop, a bit a bit of both. I'd say he's more so a prop, but I'll, I'll find out exactly what positions he's played. Okay, so, yeah, you know, you've got your front row there, Mikey Fodawaker, Tina Faso Malawi, and also Jimmy Jolliffe, right? So he's not really going to be in that front row forward, uh, you know, rotation. So let's kind of weigh that one out. Let's then go into the back row with section. You've got Bowie Fermo coming back from injury. You've got David Fafita there. You've got Khalees Haas. You've got Joey Stimson coming through as well. Um, who else have we got there? We've also got to figure out a way for... Well, I don't know if they'll go with Isaac Liu, but Jacob Alec, if we're keeping him, which I believe that we'll probably be keeping him, we're going to you know implement him. Josai Pahulu is a good up-and-coming uh, forward as well. Uh, with the club. So, look, there is a lot of... And then you've also got Ez, Aaron Clark, who is going through that 13 role. So, I just don't know... And Jacob Alec 13 as well, but Jacob Alec also played centers this weekend for the uh, for the Titans. Uh, but I don't know. It's, it's a tough one, man, because I do think that if I'm giving you my, right now, my uh, rotation for the forwards the next year, I'm saying... Tino and Mo, you know, I'd say Tino and Jimmy start, Mo off the bench for the impact. I've got Sammy Verrills alongside Chris Randall. So Chris Randall's another one. Oh my God, man. Chris Randall's another one. And Chris Randall's unbelievable. So I've got Sammy Verrills. I have to put Chris Randall as the 14. But then what does JC and AJ do? Um, I think anyway. you carry both. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay, we'll do that for now. Uh, and then Dave Fafita and Cleese Haas. Uh, no, sorry, Dave Fafita, Bowie Firma. Cleese Haas has to go to the bench for me. Personally, I do like Alec being on that bench alongside. So Chrissy Randall, you got Cleese Haas, you got Buddy. Uh, you know what? I think he has to work for it. Right, that's what I'll say. I think he has to work for it. If he came at the start of this year, and you asked me this question back in round one, I'm saying yes. But the fact is, we didn't know how good Jacob Alec and Cleese Haas were then. Nor did we know Chris Randall would turn out to be more than a depth hooker. And that's really hurt Palacios' chances because I'm sure he didn't know that either when he signed. Starting in the NRL, he's come off the bench 30 times, front row 14, back row three times. And in New South Wales Cup, he's started at prop 18 times and started at back row seven times. So really, he can play both roles as you require. 
Um, but I completely agree with you. For what it's worth next year, I think we should start with Joel Fantino at prop. Our hooker should be Sam Verrills. Our back row to start the year, or we'll go best case, our back row will be Bo Firma and Dave Fafita. Our lock, you probably have to say Isaac Liu for one more year. No, Aaron. Yeah, I think. We... Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, Aaron Clark. No, actually, I agree with you. Aaron Clark, our 13. 14 and 15, Jaden Campbell and Chris Randall. Just because they are such different utilities, one's purely for the back line, one can play anywhere in the forward pack, which really helps Chris's versatility. You've got to have Jamin Joloff there. And then that last spot's so hotly contested. So whether it's Jimmy or Mo starting, either way, one of them takes that bench spot, right? So our bench at this stage is Jaden, Chris Randall, and either Fotu Aker or Joloff, depending on where you started. That leaves that last spot there between Arlick, Joe Stimson, Cleese Haas, and Keenan Palacia. So four doesn't fit into one. I know you've been the math man magician this one with the answers, but I'm gonna I'm gonna steal one answer. Four doesn't become the one. math man. I never became the math man. I was just the magician man. I was All right, just, well, I'm, I'm the math, math man, man. And you're the magician. <laughs> but oh, and Isaac Farsumali. Sorry, so there's five. Five doesn't fit into one, so... Don't involve no. me in your mouth, mate. At this stage, Palacia will be a depth signing for us, I believe. But it's a great question. and definitely got us thinking, that's for sure. Mm. But that will just about wrap up our show. Before we do, and before I say thank you to our viewers, I want to go across to you to mention the event in Melbourne. Um, just some details, as you know, where we're going after, where we might be sitting at the ground or anything for our viewers or listeners that might be Melbourne-based. Yeah, so I'm not too sure exactly where we're sitting yet because the club, we've gone through the club for the tickets, right? Uh, so I'm not too sure exactly where we're sitting. Usually we are in the, all I'm going to say is the left corner here, which actually doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But as you walk well, into the stadium from the Richmond side, the Richmond side, you've got the stairs. We're usually in the left corner, so I'd assume we're there again. That's where the club has, I believe, will be giving us tickets. We've also got the members' night, which is afterwards, which is a great night. It's one of the best members' nights of the year across the country. You get to meet the players. This is a post-match function event um, at the Sporting Globe. You get to meet the players. There's food and drinks there. Um, you know, you've got Stevie Mitchell's there. I'm here. Buddy Clarkie's there. Uh, you know, the whole staff is there. It's a great time, and we all chill out, have a bit of a chat, and you get to, you know, just talk with people involved with the club and whatnot. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really great time at the Sporting Globe right after it. Obviously, call up the membership department if you're down there and say, you know what, I want to head along to this event. How do I do it? Say the boys from the Gold Coast Frontline Podcast sent you yep. over. Um, and they'll be able to hook you up with the ticket and also a um, yeah a, a part of the, the members' event. So it should be a good time. Yeah, and that number is 0756565656. So super easy one um, to remember. And yeah, if, if you call that number, you will be able to get not only a ticket to the game, but also a ticket to this post-match function. I'm leaving the laptop at home. I'm going to stay completely off the tools and just enjoy the night for what it is. It's going to be a, a great That's unheard event. of. That's unheard of. You're usually laptop, computer, buddy, stereo system. You've got your whole wardrobe, yeah? <laughs> Camera. Yeah. No, nah, but I'm, I'm leaving it all. I just want to be fully immersed with Titans fans down there in Melbourne and then have a great event afterwards, which we hope we can see all of you there. And of course, if you do see us at the game, the event after... Please come up, say g'day. Um, tell us what you like about the podcast or what you think we could do better. Uh, but with that in mind, I want to say thank you very much to all of our viewers. We really appreciate you being here, whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening as a podcast on Apple or Spotify. Absolutely, we appreciate you. 
Go the mighty Gold Coast Titans. Let's have a good rip in this week, boys, and give it to the Melbourne Storm. And uh, over to you, Blaze, to say uh, goodbye. Goodbye. No, I'll keep going. <laughs> but look, I think that's. Uh, I think magician yeah, man. It's gonna, uh, yeah, the magician man is going right. Paul. You know what? That's how we're going to end this podcast. But we do appreciate you. We do appreciate you guys for obviously listening in from Spotify, Apple, and also watching us here on YouTube. Comment um, if you have a question for next week as well. Don't forget. Like, yes, obviously we've got the Facebook group, the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast uh, Facebook group. Plus, we've also got the Beacast Board Instagram where I put on my story every Tuesday for questions. But also, if you have a question, chuck it down to the comment section. I believe they've actually got questions on Spotify and Apple too, so I can check it out. Uh, but yeah, look, I think that um, I think it's going to be a good time. We've got two games to go here. Let's fire up behind these boys. Let's see some some talent here, you know. And I, I want to see Jake Baller get a few more minutes. Really going to be good there. Tommy Weaver, another game. It is exciting. Get along to the members event. We'll see you guys at the game. And that's going to do us here for today. So uh, we appreciate you. And Big A, the magician man. And Clarky, we're out. Boop.